Now, the WPTF Weekend Gardener with Mike, Ann, and Rufus. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the WPTF Weekend Gardener. Mike Rayleigh here, or what's left of him. And uh, Brother Rufus is also uh, with us here in the studio. Rufus, you all right today? I'll be with you, Mike. Uh, you got that, that real deep... Uh, voice again that you sound like the bass on the jordanaire well i you know it's uh just just whatever whatever is um popular of the day whatever virus i guess is uh, i've had it for three weeks three weeks uh three weeks ago i had three saturdays wasn't it three saturdays ago oh, that, yes. I, that i was uh i i sounded like um the, the guy from the oak ridge boys was it richard sturban and uh, except I, it sounded like him yodeling because I was up and down. George and up Beverly and down. Shea. George Beverly Shea, yeah. He had a deep voice. Well, yes. at any rate. You sound like one time. It's a little uh, more resonant this morning than and last week, so well, I got I'm that sure going for me. I'm sure you feel like uh, this woman came one time to get a divorce, and I said, well, how long have you been married to your current husband? She said, well, over 72 years. I said, well. Why in the world would you want a divorce after all these years? And she said, "Well, Mr. Edmonds, it's like this: enough's enough." Yeah, I would say so. After seventy-two years, enough is enough. But uh, yeah, I feel like I'm married to this virus. Pam Beck is with us. Pam, how are you? Yeah, good morning, gentlemen. It's nice to talk to you, and thank you for the heads up about your cold, Mike. I'm or whatever it is, I assume it's a cold, but uh, yeah, yeah, I hope that's all it is. It, it I mean, that's all, well, I, I, I didn't test positive for COVID, so I, it's, um, it's right. just one of those run-of-the-mill viruses that we didn't catch when we were wearing all those masks, I guess, because everybody around here is coughing, and but uh, this one has morphed into different things. So yeah, I get mine from my grandchildren. I blame yeah. them. Well, quite often, uh, you know, Melissa certainly will, uh, and uh, you know, his parent, uh, their parents, uh, my grandchildren's parents. But I don't, I don't often. I'm not around them as much as as Melissa, so I don't usually catch things from them. But well, you saw them at Christmas time, so that was uh, that's my guess is that's when you probably picked it up. No, I had something different at Christmas, the day after oh, Christmas. No. I had a, uh, I was uh, throwing up, frankly, uh, the day after Christmas. I had, you know, I hadn't had anything like that in in so long, and then uh, once I once I got over that, I got this. So, Pam, he believes in diversity. I I do. I th- I think that's uh, <laughs> that's the way to start out the new years by being diverse and. Um, you know, jumping from one virus to the next. Mm, mm, mm. Rufus is changing seats. It, it, it didn't sure you'll be able to handle that? It, it, it doesn't work over there. Huh. A lot of static. Well, that's what they uh, that's what they say about the show in general. Just uh, It's kind of a lot of static <laughs> on there. So, Pam, uh, do you have any uh, frost on, on your plants out there this morning? Or? Oh, my God. Goodness, it's a beautiful North Carolina January winter's morning, and it is chilly. I stepped out uh, just a, a few minutes and uh, 
ran back in. But yeah, it's uh, frosty out there. The little bit on the ground, a little bit on the cars, but it's still such a beautiful place to be in the winter time. We are lucky that our gardens have a lot of things that can bloom this time of year. We've got a beautiful evergreens to give them structure. Um, even the ornamental grasses, if you haven't cut them back yet, they are they are really showing off this time of year. I would say so. Yes, indeed. Well, uh, what about blooming plants? Always, oh, always like blooming plants. Absolutely. Well, of course, the camellias are doing their thing. The japonicas are really showing off now. I've got some new ones thanks to um, uh, Pat McCracken down at Garden Treasures. I went down and got a couple from him that are, are really, really spectacular. One's called Toy Soldier, a little pink blossom with white edging, and then a, a Yuri um, Shibori, which means um, lily shape, and Shibori is that Japanese dye where you knot things up and, and dye them. So these are white camellias that are lily open shaped single petal with um with uh red streaks through them and oh it's so pretty uh other things that are blooming in the garden right now is of course the the winter flowering jasmine that lovely uh yellow flower that everybody mistakes for forsythia that's in bloom all over in the in wake county we've seen a lot of it driving around in raleigh it's very easy to, to, if you'll look closely and notice that there are green stems mm-hmm. and it's kind of a weeping form, whereas the versithia, which I've had blooming for a few weeks, a, little, a few flowers here and there, is on brown stems, deciduous. So it, um, That's a good way to identify the difference. And the nice thing about this um, winter jasmine, too, is that it's good for a hillside. I've seen some, some uh-huh. mass planting, and it will spread or colonize. So if you get a fairly small pot, it won't take long for it to become a rather large plant. And I visited a garden in Virginia where they had even trained it to rest against a wall, so it looked like it was climbing up the wall. Oh. It was just actually just propped against it, and it was quite striking against brick or, or something like that. The other thing is uh, winter flowering honeysuckle, the Lanisera fragrantissima. That is in full flower right now and so fragrant. And of course, Rufus's favorite plant. Rufus Mume. Well, they are spectacular. Or Daphne. Aren't they? Well, Daphne, yeah. Well, I, did you see? I, I sent you a picture of that uh, Prunus Mume. And you said you beautiful. Okay. On my phone, or how did you say uh, On your phone. It's okay. a huge, huge tree uh, that was be maybe 25 feet tall. How long have you had it? Uh, I've had it now about 10 years. Mm. That's not bad. Is it a, is it a pink? Because I don't have my phone in front of me. Yes, is pink. It pink. Okay. Do you think it's Peggy Clark, that pale pink? Yeah, it's, it's the pale pink. Oh, I, I, that I, is a lovely tree, yeah. I think that uh-huh. I have two numbers for you, and I, I get confused about which one. You you have a landline, and... Yeah, and that doesn't take... Yeah, that quite won't do it, will it? No. No, no. won't do it. You have to use my, my cell phone. <laughs> yeah, and I just have to sort of guess which one's which. Yeah, you can email it to me, too. You can go in and, and 
you can get Cheryl to go in there and change it so it will differentiate. <laughs> yeah, counselor. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, yeah. I'm one of those luddites that still has a landline, and I I love it. You know, because our our close fa- friends and family are calling us on that. Yeah, bring that. So. Well, I I had I've had a couple of Prunus mume, but they just haven't worked in my landscape. I had a really pretty one last time. It was I, I don't remember the name of it, but uh, it had the real dark pink like kobe maybe? could be kobe yeah. yeah yeah but it was and it was very fragrant yeah they are extremely fragrant and that's what you see blooming around uh this area in january that a lot of people mistake the cherry trees right oh and the um if you want to see a fabulous collection i invite everybody out to the jc ralston arboretum it is open it is free it is a lovely uh, accessible garden to walk and lots of uh, well-marked paths, and you will see quite a few of those beautiful mm-hmm. Japanese flowering apricot is the common name on that. Prunus mume, M-U-M-E, if you're looking for it um, botanically, but it is just lovely. There are weeping forms, white, pink, and almost a reddish. Uh, lovely, lovely tree for us this time of year. Well, by the way, Mike, uh, and anybody else that's listening, I was out having lunch with Phil and her family yesterday, and I noticed that she has uh, a goodly number of about 8 to 10 feet tall Prunus Mume blooming right now. Oh, wow. And you can see what you're getting there. There's light pink ones, and I'm, I'm sure they'll go very, very quickly, but you... You can see what you're getting, and I'm sure people over the years have heard us talk about Prunus Mume. Well, if you go out to Phil's today, uh, you can see what they look like, and, and you'll probably not walk away with it from there without getting one. Yeah. That has a subtle fragrance, but it does have fragrance, so in, enjoy mm-hmm. enjoy that, too. Uh, they like sunlight. They like sunlight and good drainage, don't they, Pam? Right, and for those who don't know who Phil is, who might be new to the area or just chiming in, it's Campbell Road Nursery. Yes. Ma'am. Oh, excuse me. Yes, you're right. Yeah. 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 Yes, indeed. And she's got plenty of camellias. I uh, saw the japonica coming along with huge bulbs on them. Mm. It's just hard for me to go to any any nursery and not pick something up. And I then, know I, then, you called me yesterday, and you were uh, up to your ears in bulbs. Yeah. <laughs> what did you find? Well, uh, a little trick about bulbs: uh, most nurseries will start putting them on sale after January because they seem to think that well, people if people don't get them in by January, there's plenty of time for them to mm. get enough cooling. And I I went by Logan's. And got plenty of hyacinths and a big bag of daffodils and and some uh, beautiful lilies, uh, all forty percent off. So that's a good thing to go do today. Absolutely, yeah. So you got you got daffodils and crocus and daffodils, uh, hyacinths. I love hyacinths. hyacinths. Yeah. Some people they come back for you, don't they, Rufus? Oh, absolutely. Some people think that fragrance is overpowering in the hyacinth. How do how do you feel, Pam? 
Um, if it's, if I'm enclosed in a room with it, it is very strong. But I, I have a sensitive nose, and um, the same thing, lilies will oftentimes give me a headache if it's a closed space. But out in the garden where the breeze carries it around, uh, I love them. Yeah. Absolutely love them. I have them. a sensitive nose, too. I had an uncle who was a bird dog. Uh, but <laughs> that's neither here nor there. I I do, yeah. It, it can it can be a little overpowering, but that that's yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah. I used to get headaches when the Easter lilies would come in when I worked at at Logan's. At oh Spring yeah, House. got a headache, yeah. huh? Uh huh. Yeah, it could it could get it could be rather overpowering. Mm. Well, let, let's let's again ask this question, which I've asked you before. The names, daffodils, jonquils, narcissus. They're all the same family, obviously, I, I take it. They're all connected. They're all related. And there is a, a Brent Heath has, has um, tried to drum this into me, and I'm trying to remember. I believe that the saying is, is that all of them are narcissists, but not all narcissists are daffodils. <laughs> oh, okay, now, now you're getting somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> they, are, they are all of that narcissist. Uh, group, but uh, or family, but yeah, some of the daffs. Now, somebody might call and correct me on that, and I welcome you to do that. Um, you know, I'm no means a, a daffodil expert, but there are different types and different groups, and I surely love them because some are extremely fragrant. Uh, there are some that bloom very early. You may see some daffs coming up in your garden already. Have you noticed any out there? Oh. Absolutely. I've, I've got, uh, obviously, crocuses blooming. I have a few daffodils. And, hmm. and I can understand the crocus. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the crocus, I can certainly understand. Daffodils. I don't, I don't think I've seen any popping through, but I, ha- I guess I haven't been observant. Well, it's hard to blow your nose and walk around the garden. Well, that's true. And I, you know, I've been work, working and... Uh, <laughs> First thing you do when you get up at three fifteen in the morning is blow your nose. Mm. Yeah, it's quite a life. Your heart, you know, and it's it's still dark at that time, so it's hard to appreciate the garden. (laughs) But I will say this about fragrance in the winter garden: I think it's intensified. There's something about those winter flowering plants that they have to draw in the few pollinators available when it's cold. Well, either sweetly, intensely fragrant like the Edgeworthia and the Daphne and the winter-flowering honeysuckle, or they're bold and gaudy and beautiful and you know, attract you with color and size of the bloom. Winter sweet um, is my favorite, and I have a, uh, I have a couple of them, and I have a huge winter sweet that has fairly large, fairly large flowers on it, uh, a little less than an inch in diameter. But they are so fragrant. The banana, mm-hmm. banana f- fragrance, banana kits. That's what it reminds me of. But I, I just, I just love it. I, I love people walk. I live on a corner. I love somebody I know may have never smelled these before, or maybe they smell them from the sidewalk because yeah. the, the tree, the shrub is is large enough. It's an ugly shrub, but it's large enough that it, uh, you know, this, this prevent. It's all over. Yeah. The landscape. And, and it, 
it can be cut back. It's slow to recover. I, I know, but I hate that. to do that because those limbs produce those flowers. And Melissa has, yep. has said the same thing, Pam. It can be cut back, but oh well. It really is an ugly plant, but... It's, it's gangly. Yeah, it um, is. There, yeah, there's one of the joiner parks that they've turned into with shearing. They've turned it into a giant meatball. Oh, and I'm sorry about that. <laughs> well, it doesn't look, you know, quite so ugly. It's out in full sun, and it's it's in this nice little round shape. Uh-huh. Does that have flowers? It does have flowers. Well, that's good. That's good. They cut it at the right time, I suppose. Now, that would really upset Tony Avent. Yeah. He he one <laughs> time said uh, he doesn't why, know why people want to make all these little meatballs all over their yard with boxwoods. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know what else to do with them except round them. Yeah, I did see Tony yesterday, and it was a treat. I have not seen him in years. I went to the North Carolina uh, uh, Green and Grow Show, which is in Greensboro, and it's the horticultural trade show for the nurseries and the green industry. And got to see lots and lots of lovely friends, and, and Tony was there. And one thing that he shared that I wanted to pass to our audience today is that he said that the winter garden is so important. If your garden looks good in the wintertime, it will look good the rest of the year. And these are wise words. He's yeah. absolutely correct. If you've got some color and structure and um, evergreens and a contrast of textures and bark and things that, that will intrigue you in the winter, then the rest of the year it will pretty much take care of itself. Yeah. Yep. Well, yeah. You mentioned my favorite thing a while ago, of course, Daphne, and I I noticed that. Uh, well, it was a quick glance I made this morning before I left to come to the the show that I love. Uh, they're almost there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I I just said a, a quick hello, good luck, and yeah. I mean, I just it's a lot of anticipation, isn't it? I I didn't dwell on it because. You know what they do. I know. Well, it's kind of like the prom, uh, if you think about it, Mike. You know, you wait a long time to have that, <laughs> that grand event with Daphne. Yeah. Then she may or may not ever see you again. You know. <laughs> well, that's true, depending on how one acts. All right. 919-860-9783. You're listening to The Weekend Gardener. I'm Mike Rayleigh. Rufus Edmonston is there, and Pam Back is there. And you I'm all here? You're all there. You're all there. Uh, we'll, we'll have you check uh, just in case during the break here on WPTF's Weekend Gardener. It's 825. Let's get back to the WPTF Weekend Gardener with Mike, Ann, and Rufus. We're back on WPTF. Mike Rayleigh here along with Rufus Edmonston and Pam Beck on The Weekend Gardener, 919-860-9783, 919-860-WPTF. We were talking about bulbs. You can plant them now. We think about December, but we if, if we bought some good bulbs or we're thinking about going out and, and getting them, I don't know that there's what the what the deadline might be, but if you've got them, Put them in the ground. Don't uh, you know? Don't forget about them. Yeah. Or just you know, throw them away. Pam, they got Rufus. Plenty of time to, they got plenty of time to chill 
And uh, oh yeah, oh yeah. And um, even if they don't bloom well this year, if you let them go ahead and come up with just the foliage and mature at a normal rate, and they get lots and lots of of good sunshine and and a year's growth behind them next next spring, they'll be really really good. Yeah. So, uh, have you planted any bulbs this year, or do you have enough? Oh, never have enough. <laughs> well, you know, I, I've, I've thought about that because people don't really have bulbs. There are bulbs for every season. Absolutely, and they're so much fun. I was telling a gentleman yesterday who owns a Dutch bulb company um, that what I really love about them is the surprise because oftentimes we'll plant something and forget that it's there. Oh, absolutely. And don't you love that, Rufus? <laughs> By the way, another thing too, I bought. Uh, well, I always buy every year some paper whites. They're they're fun. Mm-hmm. It's a good thing for kids to do. I take a, a of course, a saucer, a couple of inches high, put some gravel in it or little little rocks, put the bulbs down in there securely, put a little water so it's not totally up where it will rot the bulb, and that and they'll roots will find their way down there in, in a couple of weeks. You'll have the most beautiful, uh, wonderful scent and uh, paper white daffodils. Now they can their fragrance can be overwhelming too. Kim. Yeah, now that 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 is you you were talking about having to leave the room. Yeah, those will almost have you leave the room. But yeah, those in the highest sometimes. Yeah, you're absolutely right. But what a treat when you when you do see them grow, and there's something miraculous about how much they stretch out and grow. Just uh, it seems like overnight they're they're already up and blooming, and it is a good lesson for children to see that bulb and understand that that is a food storage unit, and that's what's feeding that that flower. And that flower is curled up inside that bulb. You know, mm-hmm. it's already there, and it's just waiting for you to to nurture it a little bit and turn it, let it loose. Now, how, how do y'all? What, what's your procedure for? planting bulbs a good rule of thumb is twice put it down the depth twice the size of the bulb itself so if the bulb is a little one inch bulb um, then you know if you can get it down at least so the tip is below two inches but here's the great thing about bulbs if you don't plant them low low enough or where they really want to be they many of them have what's called contractile roots and they will grow down and screw themselves down into the ground at the depth that they're happiest. <laughs> yeah. Now, isn't that the coolest thing ever? <clears throat> I learned that from Dr. Bob Lyons. How about yeah. that? I did not know that. I, I didn't either. I mean, I've never heard it on this show. I'm sure I have yeah. <laughs> Well, he, he taught um, about bulbs. Bob, it was a, you know, his specialty were annuals and bulbs. And um, he had done a, a lecture, and I found that so endearing that these things, you know, we think of plants as not moving, but they, they truly can and do. They have their own mechanisms for this. But the fact that, you know, if you plant these in, say, containers and the daffodils aren't as deep as they'd like to be, you know, they'll just, as they grow and that foliage goes up, they'll just start, you know, screwing themselves down into the ground where deeper where they might want to end up and um, well i can sure tell you one plant that will, will move 
and follow you around is something called wisteria. <laughs> well, yeah, that's that's a, that's uh, a whole different thing. Those yeah. folks are in high gear. That's yeah. right. Yeah. By the way, there's a fall bulb that I used to come. Was it called cold cold chicken or something like that? It's, it's about as big as a peach. Yes, it's a colchicum, and um, it looks like uh, the double-flowered form looks like water lilies, don't they? They're yeah. beautiful. And they bloom um, in the fall there. Yes, sir. Uh, They're gorgeous things. Um, Nancy Goodwin at Montrose has a, a impressive display of colchicum, just an entire border full of them, and usually soft purple, you'll see. Right. Maybe occasionally white, yeah. Oh, about that. Yeah, that's uh that's inspiring. So yeah, we we need fall fall blooming bulbs. And those you can plant in the summertime. Uh that's usually when the availability is there. And uh as Rufus said, the bulbs that you're seeing now on discount at the garden centers are the ones that are usually potted up or put it in the put in the ground in the wintertime. So this is Still ideal, uh, as long as the ground isn't too soggy wet. Uh, you don't have to worry about the ground being too cold or frozen here, um, unless we have a real unusual turn of events. Mike, are they still calling for snow in about ten days' time? I don't. I don't know that I've I've heard that. It's it's hard enough to predict what's going to happen tomorrow, uh, <laughs> the way Mother Nature is. I, I think the mountains are going to have some snow. I just saw that. Okay, um, I know that there was something in the forecast, and it was. I thought about it. Uh, usually, about this time in uh, this area of North Carolina, we get a dusting of some sort. Something around the middle to late January to the middle of February. It seems like we have at least one snow event. Yeah, we did last year at this time because uh, Melissa and I were in Williamsburg. Oh, and it was. Uh, it wasn't a lot of snow, but there were some, and that was. That was nice. I don't, I'm looking on AccuWeather, and I don't, uh, this goes through the 4th of February. Okay. And I don't, I don't see anything. Okay, good. Yeah, that, that really. Well, Pam, you're, you're, you're probably consulting the Farmer's Almanac. Well, um, I do look at that, but I also, um, there's a, a weather app that I, I get that's been, teasing back and forth about whether something's going to happen next weekend and I've got to travel or whether it's going to happen the weekend after. So, um, yeah, let's, let's keep our eyes peeled. Let's see what happens. I did hear thunder, you know, and Uh I I haven't heard thunder in a long time. Yeah. We had, uh, we had some thunder the other night. Now you know what that means. Yeah. That's why she's worried. That's why I'm worried. Supposedly, I, you know, and it's funny. Uh, growing up in the South, I never heard that that folk tale until I moved to North Carolina. And the first time someone said, "Well, thunder in winter indicates that you're going to have snow within like what is it, eleven days or something like that." Right. Well, if you if it rained, if it thunders down in Georgia, it rains cats and dogs. That's <laughs> that's what happens in ten days. So. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> Them dogs, yeah. <laughs> Them dogs. Right. Right. All right. It's also George Nurseryman, and they had bulldogs in their in their booth. They're so proud of that now. Absolutely, as they should be. So <laughs> did Dr. Lyons do a lot of research about tulips? Because I know that's he, something he, we love I, here. 
Yeah, it is something we love here. And uh, the person who did a lot of that was, was Paul Nelson. Um, he was a professor in horticulture at NC State, and he wrote a book early on about spring flowering bulbs for this area. And it's something that I remember seeing in the 80s, but it's one of those things we don't see a whole lot of books about bulbs. I wish that there were more. There is a book about tulips. I believe that was written by Brent and Becky Heath um, from Gloucester, Virginia. Uh, they're quite the experts. The Dutch bulb representative I talked to um, yesterday said that that they are breeding now. They're breeding tulips for more fragrance. Oh, he, how about that? Love, yeah, and this lovely Dutch accent. He was talking about, you know, the fact that uh, most of the most of the tulips just smell like a plant. Yeah, which he he meant like just chlorophyll kind of smell, but he said that they've got a new one out that was a blaze orange, and he said I now can't remember the name of it. I don't think it's been introduced yet, but if I can, if I uncover the name, I'll share it with the listeners. No, I wish they'd make one that would perennialize and live over. Oh, I know. I was I, I was getting ready to. Say I, I treat mine live. as annuals, and in fact, I didn't pick up any tulips because I'd I'd rather put a a bulb in the ground that I know will come back over and over again uh, yeah, rather than having true. to do it every year with tulips. They just right. what yeah. is it about around here, Pam, that they just they don't they don't stay around. The ground doesn't get cold enough. Well for a longer period of time, does tulips, it? There are some tulips that are indigenous to places like um, the Mediterranean. And um, if you have good enough drainage, if you have um, a really dry summering spot for them uh, they can winter over there or, or, or live through the year. There are species tulips, so the J.C. Ralston Arboretum in that geophyte border that you can go and see, and they come back every year. Some mm-hmm. of the species tulips are really delightful, but they're not the big, tall, elegant ones that we generally associate with what we want to see in our garden, and I agree with you. It's frustrating. But, you know, as much as we love tulips, so do rabbits. And deer and squirrels. That's true. <laughs> so plant daffodils. Daffodils are poisonous to deer and rabbits and squirrels, and so they won't eat them. And they do persist, and they do come back. Uh, sometimes out here in the country, if you drive down the road this time of year, you'll see sweeps of them at old abandoned farmsteads where they've just been they perennialized. What? And there's there's some newer varieties and probably some older varieties that have different combinations of orange and and white and and yellow. Wonderful combinations. And you can have a sweep of just white daffodils or just apricot-colored ones or or the soft yellows or the deep golds. And and some of the Corolla is different colored so that you've got that that lovely contrast in there. But fragrance, too. There are some daffodils, like Thalia is a white uh, daffodil with back-swept petals that is really fragrant. It's a lovely plant. I bet so. 919-860-9783. You're listening to The Weekend Gardener. More coming up. It's 846.
You're listening to the longest-running gardening show on the radio. It's the WPTF Weekend Gardener with Mike, Ann, and Rufus. And uh, by the end of the show, we'll be running for our lives, uh, probably. 919-860-9783. Mike Rayley here, along with Brother Rufus, uh, and uh, in the studio with us, and at her home, palatial home in uh, <laughs> the hinterlands of White County, it's Pam Beck. My my very modest home, thank you very you, much. You got your feet propped up? Is Mike oh, massaging no. your feet right now? No, but I am I am uh, very comfy. I Good. love my house. It's, yeah. um, it's small and simple, but I, you know, it is it is home sweet home to me. And just to be able to sit here at my desk, my writing desk, but still look out the window and see the winter birds flitting about. Mm-hmm. It just makes me so happy. Um, I do want to remind people if they're planning on putting things in their winter landscape to plant some plant some berry uh, things for the birds, uh, hollies and and all these that can help feed them and get them through the winter time. They do appreciate it. I have a huge <clears throat> savanna holly that was probably planted in well, like eighty nine or ninety ninety maybe. I don't know. And it this is the first year it has really had just a overabundance of berries. It's very striking. Good, good. Yeah. Are you seeing birds in it? I it's in our front yard, and I don't look at the front yard very much. I I, I sit and <laughs> look at the patio and and the birds there. But uh, so I'm not sure. I, I guess I should uh, should. Uh, yeah, it's when they. It's funny because they will wait till the berries ripen to a certain point and all of a sudden they'll just attack it you might hear robins up in there or um i've got some uh very rascally mockingbirds that love the uh, yopon holly they they get in there as do some of the thrushes and uh gosh the they but it means such a nice protective cover for birds in cold weather and snow that's where they go um, for shelter, it helps to shelter them from predators. Uh, hollies are, are great plants, and we can grow so many hollies in our landscapes here. And uh, they're they're look-alike cousin. The false hollies, the osmanthus, are also great plants, aren't they, Rufus? Mm-hmm. We talk about about them, sing the praises of the osmanthus quite often, and the. Um, you know, there's so many so many berry plants around. Well, pyracantha, come to think of. Yeah, you know, I was just, thinking of pyracantha too. <laughs> just don't let it. Yeah. Just don't let it kill you. Just don't trip and <laughs> fall into one. That or mahonia. Yeah, the common name is firethorn for a reason. <laughs> I would think so. Boy. Birds. But the birds like those. Yeah, podocarpus have berries on them. That's a, a big evergreen conifer. As do our uh, many of our junipers, like our our cedars, our native red cedars have great berries on them. Um, they're blue and they're really pretty in the winter time, and the the birds appreciate those as well. Yeah, the pyracantha I think is a neighborhood bar for uh, birds. <laughs> they they go in, they go in and and come out um, light as a feather. Oh man! Well, up up in the mountains where Rufus is from, they've got trees that they call choke cherries, and the birds would get drunk on those things. That's oh, right. I, 
I have one of those. It's a very small one. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I've He's I've watched Robbins right. get so drunk out my one of my bathroom windows is the, the pyracantha, and this big old Robin got out there last year, and he was fooling around. And all of a sudden, just toppled over like Humpty Dumpty. Down he went. <laughs> I said, "Well, son, you're out for the count." That's right. <laughs> Make yourself at home. You can't hold your liquor. That's t- it's just terrible. Just a sight. Did you call him a cab? <laughs> yeah, that's right. I always call a cab or something. Call a cab. Yeah, poor friend. Nine one nine eight six zero nine seven eight three. Why don't we talk to Mary? Mary, good morning. You're on WPTF. Good morning. I've I've really been enjoying your conversation just in the last few moments that I've been waiting to get on the air. And I, um, you are there pyracantha that um, aren't thorny. Well, if there are, I haven't seen one. I <laughs> no, haven't met me. one. Uh, Maybe Pam knows. I don't. No, even that pretty little variegated one that people will take sometimes and, and shear into hedges, they're, they're pretty wicked. It, it is, I don't know of a, of a non-thorny one. Uh, I was kind of hoping there were. Well, I love the idea of I, I built a home onto my children's home, and so my house is on. Did they want you to, Mary? They honestly did. Uh, okay, I just wanted to make sure you didn't, uh, <laughs> the dark of night. But I'm totally separate from them, so okay. I, I can know what they're having for dinner, but I don't have to be there. I didn't mean to disrupt the conversation. What were you saying? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Excuse me. But anyway, I have complete southern exposure, and I have a Maine Coon kitty, and he just loves to look out. So oh. I've got bird feeders, and, and I've mm-hmm. got a... Um, wall, a retaining wall that the squirrels love to run along, and so he's very mm-hmm. entertained by all of this. But I would love some things to pull in the birds. I, the only problem is we live in Brookhaven, and the deer love to come along right along between my property and my neighbors. The nice thing is they don't seem to be, um, they seem to be a little fearful to come on the other side of the wall where my garden path is towards the house they just feel hedged in i think by the retaining wall so they stay up on the top part um but i'd love to know some ground covers that i could plant that um i've got dwarf mondo that the landscaper put in and i've Uh i've got some um a little pyracantha but i'm just kind of wondering if there are things i can put between the slate walkway pieces that will oh, look pretty uh, but won't yeah, take but, over. Yeah, well, uh, there is something that immediately comes to mind, and if there's enough shade, if it's part sun, part shade uh, in, under that wall area, or is it full sun? Well, it's it's under trees. So, so okay, okay, well, this, yeah, that would be perfect then. What comes to mind to me is we have a delightful native ground cover that you can find out in the woods, and it is called partridge berry. And partridge berry is this little evergreen, tiny little leaved um, uh, vine that you can use as a ground cover. It in the winter time it has little red berries on it, and and oh. the um, and in the summer, well, in the early spring, you'll see 
light to find. The other thing is, is birds always need nesting material. So if you have moss that starts coming up between some of those flagstones, you know, I know you might be concerned about your footing on it, um, especially if there are stones that are slick, like slate or something like that. we got that. about a minute, by the way. Okay, but, but moss is good because they can dig around in that and get uh, nesting material to, to line their nests with. That's always good. Of course, that Maine Coon, if, you know, that cat fur is really good for birds. You can just uh, brush that little bad boy and uh, put some of his fur out there for them. They would love that, too. Okay. Great. That's really helpful. Thank you. Can I, in, a, in one second, can I ask a quick question to Rufus? Yes. Rufus, I was at the John Locke event the other night, and my question was, what did you all think about John Dean's beautiful wife, Mo? She was mesmerizing, <laughs> absolutely mesmerizing, and the most one of the most beautiful women I've ever seen. Nobody talked about her because she was kind of the star of the show. Yeah, you, you absolutely. I'm glad you came. Mary, we've got to go, but thank you so much. Oh, thank you all. Yes, ma'am. Bye-bye. More of the Weekend Gardener coming up.